Mujewale, Mujewale, Mujewale. My name is Baneki Wuka. Welcome to another episode of the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Uh, welcome once again to the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Um, and I've always told you that I'll be bring, bringing different people on this podcast to talk about their lives, uh, things they've been through. And I'm so excited to bring one of my good friends, uh, uh, Vinny. I call him Vinny, but he's going to tell us his real name. Uh, we went to school together and uh, what's up Vinny? What's up my man? Hey, um, <laughs> so my name is Vicente, Vicente yes. Vasquez, but uh, everybody calls me Vinny. Yeah. So I go by and that's what people just decided, the people just decided to change my name. <laughs> Did you get <laughs> that name? Asking if it was okay or not. <laughs> Did you get that name from like college or you had it before you came to college? No, I got it um, during high school. Yeah. Yeah, and it was actually when I used to hang out with all my friends. There was a uh, one night we had, we, you know, we just had a lot of fun and we were laying laying down, and uh, one of my friends said, "You know what? I'm gonna call you OG Vinny Vin." <laughs> I said, "Man, that's too thuggish." <laughs> OG Vinny Vin. So, so I was like, "Nah, man, let's let's just keep it a Vinny." Yeah. He's like, "All right," but I mean, he was like the only one that ever called me. He started calling me Vinny, and then everybody else. Yeah, started calling me Vinny, but that's where I got my name from. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the name. I knew you were Vicente, but like I I call I always call you Vinny. Uh, so man, how's been life? I don't think I've seen you since graduation. How have you been? No, I've been great. I've been yeah. great. Um, you know, just doing good. You know, I got um, I'm working and yeah. uh, I'm blessed with health. And you know, me and my wife are doing good. We got yeah. a new puppy. Yeah, I, I saw a picture today. <laughs> I yeah, saw a picture to our family. And I, I've always wanted to have a, a pet, but I mean, I wouldn't say I've always wanted because I'm not used to them, but I feel like now I'm used to it and I want yeah. to have a pet, but our landlord doesn't allow us to have pets. So I'll wait till oh. I get my own home and then we can have like a pet. But um, yeah. Yeah, man, I've not had a haircut for a whole year. <laughs> the only one who was hooking me up. <laughs> man, whenever you're ready, bro, you know, I'm down here. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, I take long to come down there. But I mean, that sounds good to hear that the wife is doing good because I was going to ask you how she's doing. And, um, so have you, I know you told me in school that you were planning to go back to college. Did you, are yeah. you planning on going? Have you got a school yet? uh i do plan on going back i don't know if i want to go to michigan state or if i want to go to paris university those are the two main ones that have been on my mind mm-hmm. um and so yeah that's that's it's up in the air still because you know this whole covid situation right it kind of uh, i'm not a i don't mind online but mm-hmm. i feel like i don't get my money's worth you know and you got to get your money's worth right when, when it comes down to your education because it's not cheap and you know that mm-hmm. yeah so so yeah yeah, so mentioning about COVID, like how has this whole situation been for you? Because I know co- since COVID started, when we were at school, like everybody just started disappearing, disappearing, leaving at a different time. And I remember I left you at school when I got my new job. I was like, hey, man, I'm out. How, yeah, how yeah. has it been for you? Oh, uh, man. Well, it's been a big transition. Um, and, you know, just having to adjust to the new nor- normal, you know, Mm-hmm. and um just having to wear a mask and uh you know it's it became one of those things where you know when you get ready for, to go out you right. know with the wife or something and you're trying to go to a restaurant you're trying to go out shopping or something 
and you go outside and it's like, oh man, I forgot my keys. Or, and then it's like, oh man, I forgot my wallet. And I was like, oh man, I forgot my, my mask. <laughs> so it's just yeah. one of those things, you know, that mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that you I tend to forget, you know, my mask. So I, I now I try to keep a few clean ones in my car and I rotate them, throw them in the dirty clothes or wash them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that's that's the um the well, you know, the big changes for me as far as work and all that, yeah. Uh, it's been pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. you know uh, work is good and um yeah it didn't affect me in any way uh with my working situation i know a lot of people have been affected with right. uh financially because of their jobs you know a lot of people lost jobs and but i've been working you know since covid covid started i've been working you know nonstop. and you know it man you know mm-hmm. i was in school and working right. and it didn't slow down for me you know if anything we got busier during covid mm-hmm. crazy yeah. yeah that's the one so, thing i was gonna say like you inspired me a lot like even when we're in school like always seeing you like going to work every day every day i i like to work and i like to work but like seeing you coming to class going to work and like everything like that and you mentioned about the mask like we work in engines but we're we wear masks every single day now that has become like part of our lives you know yeah yeah well thanks man it's an honor i'm glad i was able to inspire you you know <laughs> yeah yeah i really it's like funny that. because it's funny because uh me and my wife sometimes we when we go on walks or whatever we're sitting down and i remember the the that one day i don't know if you remember this day that you came over to our house and um you came and you chatted with us for a few like it was like 30 minutes up to an hour i mm-hmm. believe you were there in our apartment and it was like late at night or it was during the evening yeah. And you had mentioned like, yo, like, I like and this is when I was living at Great Lakes, <laughs> the family house, and you were like, dude, like, you know, this is my dream home, and you know, I, I, I never mentioned it to you, but after you left, I told my wife like, wow, like this is his dream home, <laughs> and and sometimes I would tell my wife like, man, we need a new couch or we need, you know what I mean? I always try to add something new into that home to make it more nicer, and and then you came and it, it was very humbling for me and my wife actually. More for me because I like to have nice stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, when you said it was like, you know, your dream home, I'm like, wow, like, you know, we really have nice things. And, you know, sometimes we oversee it. Right. And when you said that, I was like, wow, like, that's his dream home. Like, this ain't even my dream home yet, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you yeah. come from a whole different country. So I, that's where I understood where you were coming, you know, where you were coming from, like, you mm-hmm. know? And so, but yeah, that was very humbling. And I remember that day. And, you know, it was, it was a blessing for me you know yeah that's that's crazy because yeah. oh, when i got a new job i was telling my wife yeah we need i i like having good things and like having a nice house and doing different things but yeah i get challenged by different people and i, I copied good things from people um yeah so i appreciate you for that now uh the other day i was on facebook i was watching facebook and i saw you went live and uh you were telling a story um I jumped in and I was listening to it. It touched my heart and I was like, well, I need to host uh, you on my podcast to kind of just talk, talk about that situation because not many people have gone through it and uh, you've gone through it and you help um, people to understand it better. Um, I know wow. you were talking about getting coronavirus. Can you talk to us about it and like how you got it? Yeah, I can. Um... Well, on how I got it, it's very hard to tell, 
where I got it from. You know, but one thing I can tell you is that, well, with this whole job situation, I, after graduation, I've always told my wife, I want to work with youth, you know, and I think it's important to mention this because it's, you know, one of the other locations where I spent most of my time. And I told my wife, I'd like to get another job. I'd like to work with the youth. I think, you know, uh, you know, I'm a believer. I'm a man of faith. And I told her, I, I believe God wants me to move up, you know, and do more. You know, like I'm graduating from college. Um, I still want to expand my education, but I feel like, you know, God has something for me. and he's, He wants to move me up, but there's some things that I need to change about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I told her that. And then within a week, you know, I think, hold on, let me go back. And during my whole two, three, two years and a half at JLCC, you know, the college, I had told my wife, uh, I want to work at a youth center, youth detention center. And I was specific because when I was 12 years old, this is, you know, going back, you know, I, I think it's important to highlight, highlight all this stuff, fine. Because when I was 12 years old, uh, I committed a crime. Uh, with my brother and we got locked up together at the youth detention center in Lansing and I was there for like maybe four four months four months and a half then I got they let me out because the place was getting crowded with a lot of uh, juveniles uh, delinquent juveniles and um, they let me and my brother out because we were behaving and doing good and all that and so they let us out and when they let us well I, I want to mention this too. So there's so much to this story. Uh, I was 12 years old when I got locked up. The following day, it was July 3rd. The following day was July 4th, and that was my birthday. So I turned 13 years old inside a youth detention center. And uh, when I got out of that place, when I made it out of that place, you know, uh, I told myself I would love to go when I get older. I would love to go work at, at the youth detention center. Just because the simple fact that there's so many youth, Bonnie, that are going into the youth detention center for robbery, for shooting, for home invasion, uh, beating up old people, you know, all types of crimes, selling drugs, you know, and I said to myself, I would love to go work there and be of of some sort of help and guidance to these young guys and girls. Mm -hmm. Well, I was 13, 12 years old following day 13 so it's been 14 years since I was there as a delinquent youth and uh, I, but during the whole time at Great Lakes Christian College I told my wife I'd love to go work there I'd love to go work there and I still hadn't graduated I was barely starting at GLCC my first semester but you know the desire of my heart had always been there since I was 13 years old mm-hmm. and so you know fast forward the story I graduated from Great Lakes you know Three, after three years and a half, two years and a half, almost three. And I told, told my wife again, after I graduated, I said, you know what? I, I, I have this desire of working there. And she said, well, apply, you know, apply. And her auntie, I had mentioned to her auntie, and she said, apply, we'll pray about it. And if it's God's will for you to be there, you're going to be there. And I'm like, okay. So then I, I it's funny because I had a, I have a friend that works out at Planet Fitness. And uh, I met him there actually at Planet Fitness. And this was like years ago. And I was, I was young. I probably met him when I was like around 16. I never knew he worked at the youth detention center, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so I never knew that. I was 16 years old when I, when I met him. You know, I'm 27 now. 
you might want to edit that part out. Don't get people my age. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was 16 years old. Fast forward the story. Uh, I'm 27 years old. I graduated from Great Lakes. I have this, this desire in my heart to work with the youth and try to impact their lives, influence, and be some type of guidance for them there. And COVID happened. You know, COVID happened. Our last semester, we didn't finish at, at on campus. We had to go home. So I was bummed out about that, but I was like, all right, I gotta finish, I gotta finish. Uh, after I finished, graduated, you know, there's still COVID going on. And then they opened up the gyms, you know, like a month or so later. And I decided I, I had to go to the gym, back to the gym, you know? And so I went back to the gym and I found my friend there, you know, that I that is the supervisor at the youth center. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that, you know. So one day I just walked up and I'm like, I'm like hey, Mr. B, that's you. He's like, yeah, hey, V, how's it going? I'm like, man, it's going good, man. I'm blessed. I'm healthy. I'm here. He's like, hey, man, man. He's like, same, same, same with me. You know, family's good. I'm good. You know, there's nothing to complain about. You know, there's other people that are in way worse situations. And we both agreed on that. He's like, so what's new with you, man? Tell me what's, what's new. And I said, man, uh, I just graduated from college. Uh, I'm kind of bummed out because I want to work with the youth. The church is shut down, you know, church is shut down for a while. And I'm like, you know, there's, I, I don't know how to, you know, start, you know, and, and that's the hardest part. I believe this, you know, just start doing something, you know, just when you want to do something and you don't know how to do it, I think the, you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we have COVID and I couldn't just do it. You know, I needed somebody out there, you know, I need a guy to send somebody my way so that some way I can, you know, get in and start working with the youth the way I desired. And he says, oh, for real? He's like, where'd you graduate from? I said, uh, Great Lakes Christian College. He's like, really? He's like, that's good, man. He's like, you're a man of faith. I said, yes, I am. Uh, and then I, I mentioned to him, like, you know, how I wanted to work with the youth. And he says, well, man, I'm going to tell you one thing, man. He's like, uh, I'm a supervisor at the youth detention center. And my eyes just opened up like, what? Like, at the youth detention center? On the south side, he's like, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a supervisor there. And, uh, you know, we're looking for a, a young guy or, you know, somebody that's wanting, that's passionate about working with, with the youth and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, you know, I was like, like, I'll take an application. He says, I have the applications in my car. He says, I'm going to give one to you when you're done working out, holler at me. And uh, I'm going to give you the application via and fill it out. You can put me down as reference and all that stuff, you know, and. And we'll turn it in for you. I'll turn it in for you, you know, and, and I'll reference you in with the director of the youth detention center. I'm like, word, man, like, this is a blessing. I came home, I told my wife, my wife's like, maybe this is your opportunity. I'm like, all right. So then uh, I filled out the application. It took, the whole process took me like a week because I had to get reference letters. Right. So I had to request all the reference letters and send emails and uh, from professors from GLCC and you know, they all sent them in. My boss for my job, he referenced me in. And uh, I turned it all into him. And I said, hey, Mr. B, like, let's, can we meet up at the gym? When are you going to go there, you know, to get your workout in so I can come by, do my thing? And then when we're done, I'll give you the application. He's like, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm like, all right, 4.30, 4.30 is fine. So, well, 4, 4 o'clock, actually. I'm like, all right, I'll be there, 4 o'clock. Got out of work at 3, came home, got ready, went to the gym, got my stuff. I gave it to him 
And he's like, hey, he's like, uh, I'm done working out. I was like, me too. He's like, I'm about to go over here and chill in this little area and sit down for a little bit. I'm going to order some food for me and my wife. And I said, all right. And then I was like, when I gave him the application, I'm like, man, Mr. B, there's one thing I got to tell you, man. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to affect my application. He's like, what's that, V? What's that? He calls me V, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and his name is Mr. Bratchett, and I call him Mr. B. And uh, I said to him, I was like, man, when I was 12 years old, like I looked up at the same youth center. <laughs> I turned 13 the following day. I was there for like five months and some change, four months and some change. Uh, is that going to affect my, like my possibilities, my chances of getting in? He says, well, let me ask you this. After you got out of there, did you get in any more trouble? I said, no. Uh, you know, I did a program after the youth center. I did house arrest. And the deal was if I completed all of these uh, programs, they will clear that off my record. And he's like, okay, so you're good to go. As long as you have nothing on your record as an adult, you're good. I'm like, thank God. You know, and so I went home. I was happy. I told my wife and, and I was like, man, we're just going to put this in God's hands. And sure enough, the director called me the following day. He's like, hey, man, you know, you were referenced by Mr. B and stuff like that. And anyways, you know, the whole, you know, thing about this is now I'm working at the, at the youth center. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm working with these these young guys, these young girls. And um, I went from not wearing a mask at work because our, our crew was small to wearing a mask eight hours a day, you know, for 40 hours a week. And um, like I said, it's important for me to tell you that because I, I when I got COVID, I had started there. I started my training. I got my first week of training there. I did 40 hours. And then I was at my other job, my primary job at Interstate and home. So those were like my three main places and the gym. Uh, and sometimes I'd go out to the restaurants. I'm not going to lie. You know, we go to, our, to get some food or whatever. But we were always cautious. So the point is, you know, it's very hard to tell. But I'm not saying that I got it for my new job. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a chance that I did get it from there, you know just because we have new young guys coming in uh, and, you know, and then I'm not used to wearing a mask also. So and then another important thing for me to highlight is I was using the same mask, you know? So you can imagine all that bacteria that builds up on that mask, you know? Right. Uh, so that could have been a possibility. So yeah. I think I could have got it from the youth center. Or I could have got it from my job. But I doubt I got it from my primary job because I've been there without masks for years. I mean, for the this whole year, I haven't got COVID. And then our crew is small. Yeah. So how how did you find out that you have COVID? Did they did your job require testing, or you felt weird, or like how did you know that you you acquired it? Uh, no, that's a good question. I did not get told that I had to get tested for my job. What happened was, I went to work at the youth center. I might hold on. My primary job. I worked from Saturday to Tuesday all the way down to Saturday. I have Sunday and Monday off. So I told myself, well, since I'm going to train my other job, I should just work. You know, they wanted me to get five days in for, you know, 7-Eleven's first shift to see what first shift is like. So I told myself I'd work at the youth center from 7 to 3, Sunday, Monday, and I think it was Tuesday. And so I did that. And um, no, no, actually it was Saturday. I worked Saturday, 3 to 11. Then I worked Sunday, 7 to 3 a.m. 
Then I worked Tuesday, 7 to 3 a.m. And then when I got out Tuesday, that same day, I believe, or the following, uh, it was a following day on Wednesday, I started feeling hot. And next thing you know, I started feeling like my body was aching. And I told my wife, like, and she's like, I think you have a fever. And so, you know, we had our thermostat. So, you know, I checked my temperature and that was at 100 degrees hmm. uh, Fahrenheit. You know, my body temperature was just rising. And she's like, you have a fever. There's a mild fever. She's like, lay down. I want to get you some fluids, you know, stuff like that and whatnot. Then next thing you know, my, my fever went all the way up to 104, 104.7 or 0.8 or something like that. And that's already like not good. Like that's not, that's a high fever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, you have a very high fever. And I'm kind of scared because, you know, I don't want anything to happen to you. She's like, I wonder if you have COVID. And I'm like, I don't think I have COVID. You know, like let's wait till tomorrow to get tested. Yeah. And so I was waiting out that whole day on Wednesday. But by the time 11 o'clock, 10, 10.30 hit, I told my wife, you know what? I don't feel good at all. I don't feel good. And she's like, um, we'll take this medicine and we'll see what happens to Tylenol and, you know, some fever reducers or whatever. And that didn't help. You know, I woke up the following day and I still had that fever. Then it wouldn't go down at all. I'd take showers. I'd drink a lot of cold water, popsicles. Nothing was helping. And she's like, should we get tested today? I'm like, no, I don't want to get tested today. Let's wait. Uh, you know, because this whole... You know, everybody has made a big deal and I don't blame them, you know, I don't blame them, you know, where they're scared to go to the hospitals to get tested mm-hmm. because I don't, know, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but there was like a bunch of videos that were coming out and being exposed on, on all social media platforms and YouTube where doctors were getting paid or hospitals were getting paid to like, um, if somebody uh, died, they put on the certificate, he died from COVID. 19 and then they would get paid like i don't know how much money i think i, I had about that i i yeah, had about so, it <laughs> so you know this whole you know I, we were just skeptical about this whole situation and just going to the hospitals because we didn't know if i i could trust a doctor or not which is sad you know because I, you know we're in america man you know you should be able to go to the doctors and trust that your mm-hmm. doctor's going to secure you and so anyways i told my wife like you know what like i don't want to go she's like i don't want you to go either but then I was like, you know, it's not getting any better because now my body is aching. I, I no longer have just have fever. Now my I'm feeling sore. And let me tell you one thing, man. It's very the sore that soreness that I was feeling, the body ache that I was feeling, way different than than when uh, you're working out now. So you, I'm, I can imagine like you wake up some days sore mm-hmm. from your muscles, right? Yeah. But it's not like severe to where you're like, oh, like, I need to go get checked because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel normal. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, I work, I, I like to work out too. And I know what it's like to feel sore from, you know, working out or doing some activities. This type of uh, soreness on my body was in my bones. Like it was in my muscles. Like I try to massage my legs, my arms, you know, my chest and everything. And every time I touch, it felt so sore. And then I figured, let me touch my, my shins, you know, on my legs. And when I, I press on the shins of my legs, my goodness, there was a pain. It was a pain. And I'm like, okay, so now I know that my, my body ache is through my bones. Like, that's where I'm aching at, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I touch and I touch and I'm like, wow, like, you know, this is bad, you know? 
And I told my wife, you know what? We need to go to the hospital. You know, we need to go get checked. Let's go tonight. It was like, I want to say almost 11 o'clock or it was 11 o'clock when we went. And I said, let's go get checked. I want to go get checked. And I want to make sure that it's not COVID. And so we went to, uh, what's this hospital? We went to... Uh, Sparrow? No, we went to, oh, it's a small clinic. It's um, urgent care. Urgent care. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I went to urgent care. Yeah. And man, they came in, they had them long swabs and they just mm -hmm. stuck it up my nose, bro. They almost poked my brains out. You know, <laughs> that's, I mean, that thing is like this huge, bro. Right. And they stick like this, this much of it in. That thing came like up to, I thought it was like up to here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy smokes. Like, is that like, is that normal? <laughs> like you're supposed to, you can't just swap around the nose. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, they did my testing and then they did my wife as well. And they came back into the room and the, the doctor was like, yeah, you have COVID. And then. Did you get your results right there? Like. Yes. Yeah, so it was the okay. rapid test. Okay. Came back in. Well, when I went in, I, I think their concern was also that my fever was at 104. Mm -hmm. you know and at that point you know that's that's not good you know if you have a fever of 104 and so he came in and he says yeah you have covid and like i said they tested my wife and they told my wife you don't have covid you're good hmm. and they told me uh if you feel any shortness of breath uh go to the emergency uh or go to the emergency you know and see if they can get take care of you there i'm like what like like Dang, like it was so cool the way he said, man. He said it. He just came in and said, like, "Yeah, you have COVID. If you feel like um, you're you're running short on on your breathing, you know, just go to the emergency and 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 see if you know if it can help you there." I'm like, "All right." He's like, uh, "And his first doctor, actually, I was so blessed because his first doctor, he was an older older guy, and he prescribed me uh, these medications. Uh, one of them was like a steroid for I don't know what." And then the other one was like uh, uh, some type of anti antibacteria, some, you know, to help fight the mm -hmm. bad bacteria or whatever. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all these things, but, you know, it's like a pill that helps fight like the bad bacteria. And so he prescribed that to me and I'm like, all right, thank you. And then he left the room like quick, like he just left. And then this other doctor came in, this younger guy, and he says, yeah, you have COVID. And I'm like, okay, I know I have COVID. And then he's like, uh, I'm going to give you a discharge papers and, you know, you're, you can go home. And I'm like, all right. And then I'm like, well, am I going to get my prescription pills? Because at that point he left and then he came back and he gave me my discharge papers from the emergency, from urgent care. And I looked through them and I didn't see like any prescription, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, am I going to get any prescriptions? Like anything to help my fever or, you know? Uh, he's like, no, there's nothing we can do for you. We don't, when people are diagnosed here with COVID, uh, we just, you know, tell them they have COVID and we tell them to go back home, stay home and self-quarantine and let their body do its thing and fight it off. And I'm like, all right, like, that's fine. You know, so I left, bro. I left and I'm like, that's weird that they didn't give me anything, you know, and I get it. I guess no doctors were, are prescribing, I don't know, in other states or whatever, but here, they're not giving any type of medication if you have COVID, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was a blessing from the first doctor because when I got out the following day, 
I received a text message and it said, your prescription, your prescription is ready. And I'm like, my prescription? They told me I wasn't getting no prescription. So then I'm like, you know what, let's call. My wife called and they're like, yeah, we have this uh, prescription and this prescription. And uh, at the know, same it, place where you took your test? Yeah, yeah. They're the, the first doctor that came in. Remember I told you the first doctor, mm -hmm. there were two doctors. The first one came in. I believe the second one was like an assistant, assistant doctor or something like that. And uh, so we went, we picked up these medications and we came home and I was taking the medications, you know, and it helped a little bit. It did help. It helped me feel, feel better the first day that I took them, the second day, and then the following day, you know, the third day. But then another problem started happening. I, uh, I couldn't, I knew my breathing wasn't normal. You know, because I felt like, and if, if I so if I'm sitting down right now in my in, in my dining room, if I get up and if I walk to the to like my bedroom or the bat the bathroom, which is not far away from here, maybe like one two three four maybe like maybe like fifteen sixteen maybe twenty steps you know to get to the bathroom, mm -hmm. I noticed that I was like, you know, like it, my breathing just. It, 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 I started, um, it, it almost felt like I went for like a mini, a little jog, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm over here breathing like hard. And it's like on normal days when I just walk there, I'm fine. I'm not breathing heavy. I'm, you know, my breathing doesn't feel out of, you know, not normal. And so I noticed that and I'm like, what the heck? Like, I just walked from the kitchen or from the living room to the bathroom and I'm already feeling like, like, like I worked, like I did a little jog or something, you know, and I had to tell my wife, I just came back and I sat down on the couch. And then when I sat on the couch, you know, I was like breathing, you know, to my wife, like, I feel weird, like my breathing. And she's like, I'm not liking this. She's like, she says, uh, give me your, your, your debit card. I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy this little uh, device. And this device, I don't know what it's called, but it's like uh, you put it on your finger mm -hmm. and it measures your oxygen. You know, uh, she went, she came, she, she gave me the, the device, she put it on my finger and my oxygen levels were like around the first time, I think it was like 94 and then it dropped to 93. But then when I'd get up and go like to the kitchen or the bathroom or the bedroom, uh, it would drop to like 80, 85, 83. And if I would go down the stairs, you know, it would drop to like 80 again, you know, and then if, if I sat down for a good 30 minutes, 40 minutes at the most, it'd go back to like 93, which is on um, for a normal person that has no health issues. That's still, I think in my opinion, it's still low. I'm no doctor by any means, but I think it's low because on a normal day, like if I were to check it right now, it's like 97, 98, almost hundred, mm -hmm. you know, high nineties. In this case, it was low nineties, you know, 90, 93, 92, 91, 90. And so I remember um, that same day, my wife put the device back on and I was at 83, 83 or 85. And she's like, no, your oxygen levels are very, very low. She called one of her aunties in Florida and uh, she asked her like, what are, the, what are the oxygen levels supposed to be at? And she said like high 90s, you know, 97, 98. And she told her, well, Vinny's oxygen levels are like at 80, 85, 84, 83s. And she's like, oh, like he needs oxygen. 
you know, like you need to take him to the ER and see if they can give him some oxygen or something, you know. And uh, my wife got scared because she didn't want it. She didn't want me to go to the hospital and not ever see me again, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets very critical and very, I think it, for her, it got very emotional when she knew like, okay, now I have COVID, you know, I have high fevers, my body is aching, and now my breathing is, you know, messing with me. And so now she's like, I'm scared. And she started, she like got sad and she started crying even on on our way there because she, you know, felt like if I take my husband there, this might be the last time I see him, you know? And with everything that we have been seeing on the news and social media and um, YouTube, you know, uh, with these, you know, with people going in because now they're having breathing problems and uh, they don't make it out. And if you look on the news or even if you Googled how many people have died of COVID-19, you'll see that the number are in millions, Mm -hmm. you know, millions and millions of people have died of COVID. And the main reason is because of their breathing. And my wife was sad and I got scared a little bit, just a little bit. And I'm like, man, like, I don't want to go to the hospital either, but if my breathing levels are not where they're supposed to be, and if I need oxygen, I need to go to the ER. Like, you know, I got to take a, a chance, you know? And so, man, uh, that same night we went to Sparrow and I don't ever bash any company. And then, you know, because that's not my thing, but I got to say, man, that when we went to Sparrow, she wasn't allowed to go in with me. Uh, but uh, when we got there, we went into the ER parking lot and we were like maybe, I don't know how far, we were a little ways parked because it was full of cars. So we were a little ways from the um, door to enter the hospital, the ER. And I got out of the car and I started walking and I started walking and I wasn't walking fast. I was like one step at a time, you know? And the next thing you know, that's where it hit me, bro. That's where it hit me. And I'm like, <gasps> and, and I had to stop. I had to stop walking. I had to hold on to a pole. And I'm like, man, like my wife was in the car getting out, locking it, getting all the stuff, you know, that she needed, my wallet and everything. And she came to me. She's like, what's wrong? I said, I, babe, I cannot breathe. Like, I, this is as far as I can walk. I, I'm out of breath. You know, and I shouldn't be out of breath, you know, because at that point I hadn't walked that far. And uh, she's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get a wheelchair. Don't walk. Stay here. But, you know, me being, you know, I guess the manhood and, you know, it's like, nah, I got to make it to that door. Like, like in my head, I'm telling myself, like, you don't have breathing problems, you know, because by faith, I want to believe it. (laughs) And so I'm like, nah, I don't have no breathing problems. I don't have no breathing problems. And then I started walking and I finally made it to the door. And my wife was finally coming out, you know, at that point when I got to the door, she was coming out with a wheelchair and I'm like, <sighs> you know, and, and I sat down on the chair and my wife's like, are you okay? Like, I'm like, I can't breathe. I, I can't breathe. And I said, like, I can't even talk. Like, I, I like, don't, I don't want to say nothing no more. Like I can't breathe. And she went in there, you know, the security checked us and cleared off, cleared us off. And they said, we can go in. And they told my wife, you can't go in. 
And my wife's like, okay, but my, my husband, he needs oxygen. He's been diagnosed with COVID and he's struggling to breathe. And so the experience there, man, was horrible because once they um, got me in, they took all my information and I told them I had COVID and I told the, the lady that was in the front desk, I said, I need oxygen. I can't breathe. My oxygen levels are like uh, in low 80s. And she's like, okay, take a seat. And I'm like, take a seat? Like, man, you're going to put me over here with all these people? I just told you I had COVID. Like, you know, and so I'm like, all right. So I go out there and I sit down. And then um, they finally, the nurse finally came and she called me. You know, they checked my vitals and they she put the sensor on my finger. And it read my oxygen levels were low. I was so dehydrated. My mouth was was like super dry, cotton dry. And um, it, it was horrible. You know, it was horrible. I, like right now I can swallow my own saliva. I was so dehydrated to the point that I couldn't even swallow anything, you know, and that was a horrible feeling because it was so dry here, you know, and um, I'm over here sweating because my fever is like 103 and they, then they put me in a small room and uh, they're like, okay, when the doctors, uh, when one of the rooms is cleared off, we're going to come and get you. And I'm like, okay, but am I going to get oxygen? I can't breathe. Like I'm struggling to breathe. And they just left me in the room, bro. They left me in the room. They left. I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait patiently here. And, and then next thing you know, 15 minutes. Well, at that point, even five minutes seemed so long, bro. Five minutes seemed like a whole entire hour. <laughs> and then yeah. um, 15 minutes went by. And then I'm like, that just doesn't come. I'm thirsty. And then 30 minutes go by. And then I'm like, man, like, you know, at that point, I'm already like trying to get up and I'm trying to twist and try to do all types of things see if I can get a little bit of oxygen and then an hour goes by and they still hadn't come and get me they still hadn't brought me oxygen then an hour and a half went by and and at, at that point I went and I'm like hey like I'm so dehydrated I need some water can I get some water uh no go back into your room you can't have anything until your doctor comes or the doctor comes and checks you or whatever and I'm like okay I get it like you know as a procedure if there's rules and if that's the rule okay I get it fine I went back and I sat down and then another five minutes went by. I couldn't hold it no more. I couldn't help it no more. I was hot. I was high in fever. I was thirsty. And uh, I had, um, my body was aching and I went out there and I said, hey, um, I was not, you know, very polite to the lady. I'm like, hey, um, do you know uh, how much longer it's going to be for the room, one of the rooms to be available and for me to get some oxygen and some water because I'm thirsty. And she's like, I don't know. Uh, we're super busy. Uh, the room's going to clear off when it clears off. And we'll come get you when we're ready. And I'm like, like rude, bro, super rude. And I'm like, all right. So I went to the room and I called my wife. I'm like, yo, like the doctor, she told me she doesn't know how much longer it's going to be. I feel dehydrated. I'm super hot. And I can't, you know, I, I, need, I can't breathe, right? She's like, you know what? Just walk out of that place. And I'm like, I've never walked out of a hospital before. <laughs> At that point, it feels like I'm committing a crime, bro because <laughs> I, I walked up and then I, I, I was in a room next to where the lady was sitting at her uh, desk and I opened the door and I looked you know side to side I see a security guard and I'm like oh so then I just walked out and uh, she seated me and she's like oh, where are you going I said I need to go get some air I, I, I gotta go and she's like you can't leave and I'm like I'm out of here like I bro like if I couldn't breathe and I, if I couldn't walk and you know at that point, I got oxygen. I got strength in my legs to walk. <laughs> I bounced out of that hospital, bro. My wife, 
she pulled up to the door, picked me up in the car. She's like, they're taking too too long. Like, I, you know, this is not right. Like, that treatment is not good, you know? So she took me to McLaren. As soon as she took me to McLaren, bro, we walked in. I told him, hey, I have COVID. I can't breathe. My oxygen levels are low. I'm high in fever. My body is aching. I, I feel dehydrated. I'm thirsty. They're like, okay, you know what? Come on in. You know, they put me in a room. We're going to get a doctor. We're going to check your vitals. And then after that, uh, we're going to wait for a room to clear off. And we're going to take you to a room as soon as possible. They took proper care of me. They took action immediately. They didn't hesitate to put oxygen on me. They put me in a room by myself. They put uh, the oxygen tubes on me, you know, through my nose. They um, brought me ice packs. They brought me, um, they put me on IV. Um, you know, you know what IV is, right? When mm-hmm. you're super dehydrated, they put the thing in here. Right. Uh, I went through like, I think I want to say like six bags of IV, bro. You know, and that's how dehydrated I was. I think six or seven bags of IV. Um, and then after that, the doctors came in. And they checked me, how are you feeling, Mr. Vasquez? Like, you know, we're going to check your temperature. We're going to check all your vitals. Uh, we got to get some blood work. Uh, and we'll take you from here. Uh, and then they came back and they're like, okay, you know, your blood work and everything looks good. Uh, how are you feeling? Like, what symptoms are you feeling? And I said, I, I am struggling to breathe. I feel super dehydrated. You know, the same thing over and over again. And they're like, okay, well, uh, they left. Then they came back. And then they're like, okay, Mr. Vasquez, um, we're going to, how do you, how's your breathing now after like an hour or so of being on oxygen? I'm like, it's getting a little bit better, but I still don't feel good, you know? So then they're like, okay, we're going to put this device on your finger. You're going to, you're going to, uh, it's the same device my wife bought, but this one was like a scanner, you know, it was like, a, looked like a scanner for cars and they put it on, they put it on my hand and I had to look at it. And that thing marked like my oxygen and everything. And so they're like, okay, we're gonna have you walk around the room and we wanna see your breathing levels. And I walked around the room and I'm like, I don't wanna stay in this hospital. So I'm like trying to hold my breath in while I'm walking so that it won't like, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought it wouldn't like drop, but I'm walking around the room and I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm out of breath, but I'm trying to hold it in, you know, as much as I can. And my thing went from, it was because I was laying down the whole time. It was like at yeah, 93. When I walked around for like not even 30 seconds, it went down to 83 again. And they looked at it and said, okay, we're going to talk to the doctor because there's a high chance that you might not be going home tonight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Jesus, like, this is all I needed. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to stay here. <laughs> and I, I told my wife and she got scared. She got teary-eyed. And uh, so she called my, my parents and she was crying, you know, and she was telling them, like, what, what I was going through. And... um yeah, the doctor came. He's like, yeah, Mr. Vasquez, you're not going home. You know, we can't tell you how long you're going to be here, but we're going to keep you here until you, we know you're good to go home. Hmm. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'm just going to trust in God that everything's going to play out the way that it's right. supposed to play out. I'm going to trust in God that I'm going to get healed and that I'm going to get my oxygen back, you know. And, but, you know, at that point, I'm also like, not, I wasn't scared. I really wasn't scared. It was more so like, wow, you know, just the simple things of that life has to offer. The air we breathe, the sun that we get when it when it comes out, you know, just the norm, you know, the things that don't cost any money mm-hmm. that we can oversee, bro. You know, some just like oxygen. You know, I had never thought that I would be trying to, you know, fight to get oxygen, you know, 
and and so it just made me appreciate life more and it made me realize you know so many people are dying from not being able to breathe you know from covid the lungs start to you know collapse and and my chest felt like my chest felt like somebody was pressing on it you know it felt like somebody was pressing on my chest and like it just felt weird bro you know and i i was like my god like I'm sorry for taking my, you know, the air, you know, actually that we breathe for granted. Mm-hmm. I was like, but please give me my oxygen back. <laughs> <laughs> That's you crazy, know? man. Uh, I was listening to you. So I didn't even want to interrupt you. I wanted you to say like all the things. And that's why you answered even almost all the questions that I had on here. And uh, the, the thing I wanted to ask you, like, how did you think of COVID before you got COVID? Like, what did you believe of it? Before I had COVID. Bro, before I had COVID, man, I thought this is a, a cover. I, I'm all into the conspiracy <laughs> stuff. You know, I'm all into like the conspiracies. And I like, it's not that I believe all the conspiracies, you know, but it's like, I like to hear the other side of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the conspiracies that have came out about COVID, you know, are numerous of them. Mm-hmm. And they're all out there on all platforms and, uh, you know, it came from China, it came from, you know, the, the government, you know, from the U.S., and they went and gave it to China, and then, you know, stuff like that, yeah. and then they brought it over here, and I started hearing all these conspiracies, I'm like, man, COVID is just a man-made thing, it's meant to control population, and whatnot, you know, and I told my wife, man, it's probably like a regular flu, uh, you know, every time you turn on the news, it seemed like the numbers were just rising, skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, people are dying on a daily basis. Like, you know, like they just decide to um, put out there, you know, oh, people are dying from, you know, but how many people die from the flu or, you know, other uh, cancer or, you know, and they don't put it on the news or, you know, right. and I'm like, guys, it's, it's just, it's just another, it's just another form of, of the flu. You know, it's, it's all good or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I always, I, I felt like that before I felt like, you know, the government made it. You know, they're the ones causing this chaos. And um, I, I just, I was like, if, you know, if COVID really existed, like we'd have it by now, you know, it's been so long and we still don't get it. And uh, it is what it is, you know. But uh, it wasn't until I actually got it, you know, that I, that I realized, oh, it's not like the flu, you know, because I've had the flu before once in my whole entire life. And I'm like, it's not like the flu. It's very different, you know, because the pain that it causes in your body, you know, in your bones, the pain that it, I mean, the um, the fevers, you know, that are nonstop, like I had fevers every day that wouldn't go down. Um, what else was, oh, I lost my sense of smell, my, yeah. my sense of taste uh, for like four or five days, you know. Um, you lose your appetite because at that point you can't taste and you can't even smell what you're eating it's like like you're just eating like i don't know you can't even taste so it's like right. at that point is might as well not even eat and mm-hmm. um well and let me tell you one thing when i lost my sense of taste and my my sense of smell um i couldn't taste anything but the only thing that i could taste was so if i ate like a soup or something i can taste the salt that's all i can taste salt if i ate a hershey bar all i could taste was the sugar you know like the sweetness of it but i can't taste the actual chocolate mm-hmm. and uh so that was that was horrible 
But uh, after I got it, after I got COVID, you know, what I think of it is it's very real. We have to be very cautious. You know, I've always been cautious going out, but now I'm more cautious than ever. Uh, it's very important to take proper measurements to make sure that, you know, when you when you go out, you are secured in the, you know, with your mask, you know, make sure you wash your hands um, and stuff like that. Uh, and it just made me realize how real this, this COVID situation is and how, how we can change your life, mm-hmm. you know, the blink of an eye, bro. Cause that's really how it happened with me. I was right. fine one day. I woke up the next day and blah, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm over here all sick and, you know, <laughs> but yeah, bro, it did change my, my point of view on it. And, um, so yeah, you know, so what do you think about, uh, the vaccine? There's like, there's so many uncertainties with it. You know, there's so many, I, I want to say like when it first came out, there was like so many issues, people that were getting it, they were fainting. And then the following day after getting the shot, they were in high fevers and they were sick. And it's like, what the, you know, like, I'm not going to go get this shot if it's causing all of this, you know, I'm just going to wave it out and I'm going to just wait. I'm going to chill in my home. <laughs> I'm going to go to work. I'm going to come your back mask? home. You know what I mean? Wear my mask, my little hand sanitizer going. And you know what I mean, bro? I'm just I'm just gonna do that, you know, yeah. pick a little bit of people that I want to be around with, and that's about it. Yeah. And uh, but no, I don't I haven't done any research on it, mm-hmm. so I couldn't tell you, you know, what the effects are, what they aren't, you know. I couldn't tell you if they're the shot is effective or but from what I've seen, you know, in the news and it's it's you know, it hasn't done anything good. I don't know about now. This was when right. it first came out, yeah. where doctors were, you know, and nurses were getting it, and then they would pass out, and then, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, Man, I, I have not done any research about it, so I don't know. I can't say much about it, but like you said, it's gonna be a while till till we get it because uh, they're taking care yeah. of the seniors. But um, so how do you feel now? Do you feel strong and give your strength back? Yeah, it took me like a week to regain all my strength, my energy. Uh, after all the fevers, um, once I stopped getting fevers, uh, once my body stopped aching, and um, once I, I had completed like my quarantine, because it was like a total of 10 days that you're supposed to quarantine, and that's when it's supposed to be gone. Mm-hmm. It took me like almost 15 days, 16 at the most. Um, and then now it's like, I, you know, this past, this last week, I've recovered all my strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I was sore, completely sore from my body. Um, and so now I'm feeling very, very good. My wife is feeling good. Uh, we no longer have COVID, thank mm-hmm. God. And um, so now, yeah, we're back to normal, you know, back to our, our routine, trying to get back to it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's, you know, pretty much that on how we're that's feeling. It. We're feeling great. That. Well, that's exciting and i'm happy for you and uh, when yeah. i had your story the first time i mean i you talked about it and you didn't give so much details as you've given now because right now it's what we're focusing about but it gives me so much awareness um i mean i've had some other friends that got covid but they didn't get the covid pneumonia like you went through um yeah, yeah that's cool to know and like i'm glad i got to host you on this podcast to just educate more people out there that have not got these uh, the the virus and um, just people be cautious uh, wear your mask when you have to 
when, whenever you're in public and uh, I'm so happy and thankful to God that he saved your life and you're still alive. But um, one last question I got to ask you, ask everybody I host on this podcast is what gets you excited about life? What gets me excited about life is not knowing what might happen tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, after COVID, you know, a lot of things used to excite me. You know, no job, no clothes, no shoes, no jewelry, like, no hats, you know, uh, no cars, uh, you know, just going on a road trip, you know, mm-hmm. taking a vacation. Uh, things that, you know, in a sense, cost money, you know, and now what excites me about life is the uncertainty of it, you know, not knowing what might happen tomorrow mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. Something good, it could be something bad. You know, and that's going to cause, you know, for some type of emotions to be uh, stirred up in there, you know. And so that's what excites me about life, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. Nice. For sure. uh, so, yeah, Vinny, I thank you very much for saving your time and talk to us about that. I'm so excited. that I finally got to host you in my podcast. Uh, and yeah. to our listeners, I've always uh, promised you that I'm going to support and promote small businesses. And this is a time where, I'm going to promote two small businesses. Um, there's one business called Secrets by Noor. Uh, it's on okay. Instagram, and you can find them on Instagram. The username is Secrets by Noor. They're located in Kampala, Uganda. It's an online store, and they sell clothing and every kind of thing, shoes that you need to dress. And the second business is called Melanin Graphical Design Uganda. They do mm-hmm. interior and exterior modified designs and landscaping and their oh, telephone wow. number is uh, plus two five six seven zero zero six five three two one one and they're also located in Kampala Uganda so if you need interior and exterior in your house just hit them up and give them some business like I've always told you the motto of my podcast is we rise by lifting each other up and I also want to remind right. you that I still have those merchandise like the t-shirts with the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Make sure hey. you support me, buy a hoodie or buy a t-shirt. And uh, thank you very much. So Vinny, uh, is there any last thing you want to say before we end this podcast? Yeah, I do. I think that there's another podcast pending between you and I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had actually to do that one first. Before yeah, we were supposed one. to do that one first, you know. There's <laughs> another one coming out, you know, and yeah. I'm give that to you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I don't know what's that going to be like, the grind, the hustle. I don't know what you want to call it. You <laughs> yeah. know, because I was a barber, I'm a worker, uh-huh. I'm a student. I'm uh-huh. like, so there's another one pending. Uh, to be, uh, you know, I, I'm ready for that one whenever you are. Okay. Um, and then, um, man, I just want to say, you know, be blessed to where, you know, everybody that listens, listens to this podcast or watches it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Be blessed, stay blessed, stay humble. You know, always strive to be better than you were yesterday. And um, be anxious for nothing, you know, because life is not guaranteed, you know, um, and if there's anything that you need, want or whatever, you know, just, or, you know, not necessarily materialistic things or money, but, you know, anything that has to do with health or, um, you know, just life in general struggles, you know, bring them before God, man. If you believe in God, you know, if you're a woman or a man of faith, bring it before God and uh, make your, your uh, requests known to him. You know, and he'll find a way to, you know, help you. you know? Okay, preacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. 
you know. But uh, nah, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. You know, value life, appreciate it, and you know, be aware that uh, COVID is a real thing, and um, make sure that you wear all type of uh, wear your mask, wash your hands. Get that sanitizer bottle, keep it in your car, sanitize your steering wheel, your dashboard, you know, your handles at least once a week, you know, take your car for a wash. (laughs) And uh, that's it, man. You know, that's pretty much it. Thank you for having me on your show, bro. And uh, I look forward to the following one. But that, hey, 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 I'm going to start my podcast on my (laughs) YouTube channel. Uh uh, And then you're going to have to be on it too. Okay. Yeah, I will. All right. All All right, Hey there, I am Bunny Kibuka, the host of the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Thanks for watching my video and don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend. Tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for a new episode about my podcast. And for more information about this podcast, follow me on my Instagram page, talk underscore show underscore 256.